Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. We return to our text from Ezekiel today. This is chapter 41, that section, a uh, difficult section to, to struggle through together. Let's read the text. Then he brought me to the nave and measured the jams. On each side, six cubits was the breadth of the jams, and the breadth of the entrance was ten cubits, and the side walls of the entrance were five cubits on either side. And he measured the length of the nave, forty cubits, and its breadth twenty cubits. Then he went into the inner room and measured the jams of the entrance two cubits, and the entrance six cubits, and the side walls on either side of the entrance seven cubits. And he measured the length of the room twenty cubits, and its breadth twenty cubits across the nave. And he said to me, This is the most holy place. Then he measured the wall of the temple. Six cubits thick, and the breadth of the side of the chambers, four cubits all around the temple. And the side chambers were in three stories, one over another, thirty in each story. There were offsets all around the wall of the temple, to serve as supports for the side chambers, so that they should not be supported by the wall of the temple. And it became broader as it went, wound upward to the side chambers, because the temple was enclosed upward all around the temple. Thus the temple had a broad area upward. And so one went up from the lowest story to the top story through the middle story. I saw also that the temple had a raised platform all around. The foundations of the side chambers measured a full reed of six long cubits. The thickness of the outer wall of the side chambers was five cubits. The free space between the side chambers of the temple and the other chambers was a breadth of twenty cubits all around the temple on every side. And the doors of the side chambers opened on the free space, one toward the north, and another door toward the south, and the breadth of the free space was five cubits all around. The building that was facing the separate yard on the west side was seventy cubits broad, and the wall of the building was five cubits thick all around, and its length ninety cubits. Then he measured the temple, a hundred cubits long, and the yard and the building with its walls a hundred cubits long, also the breadth of the east front of the temple and the yard a hundred cubits. Then he measured the length of the building facing the yard that was at the back and its galleries on either side a hundred cubits. The inside of the nave and the vestibules of the court, the thresholds and the narrow windows and all the galleries all around the three of them opposite the threshold were paneled with wood all around, from the floor up to the windows. Now the windows were covered. To the space above the door, even to the inner room and on the outside, and on all the walls all around, inside and outside, was a measured pattern. It was carved of cherubim and palm trees, a palm tree between cherub and cherub. Every cherub had two faces, a human face toward the palm tree on the one side, and the face of a young lion toward the palm tree on the other side. They were carved on the whole temple all around, from the floor to above the door. Cherubim and palm trees were carved, similarly, the wall of the nave. The doorposts of the nave were squared, and in front of the holy place was something resembling an altar of wood, three cubits high, two cubits long, and two cubits broad. Its corners, its base, and its walls were of wood. He said to me, This is the table that is before Yahweh. The nave and the holy place had each a double door. The double doors had two leaves apiece, two swinging leaves for each door, and on the doors of the nave were carved cherubim and palm trees, such as were carved on the walls." And there was a canopy of wood in front of the vestibule outside. And there were narrow windows and palm trees on either side, on the side walls of the vestibule, the side chambers of the temple, and the canopies. This is the word of the Lord. 
as a brief overview uh, or summary of yesterday's chapter, we were talking about how chapters 40 through 42 are laying out a vision. Even the vision extends through 48, but we're laying out the measurements, the dimensions of a temple. But this is a prophetic temple that is not meant to teach us about a physical building, but rather about Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the New Testament temple. He is the better temple when we want to think about it in language such as that. Now, one thing I failed to mention as we went through the text yesterday was if you really wanted to do measurements and things on this, even though it's not a blueprint to be made, um, the it was chapter 40, verse 5, where we learned about the measuring reed. The measuring reed that the bronze man, whether that's an angel or if it's the pre-incarnate Christ, the measuring reed is six long cubits. The normal cubit is 18 inches. Um, consider your hand, uh, basically the, the width of your palm, which roughly would be about three inches. That's six palms, right, laid side by side, and that would be about the measurement from the tip of your middle finger to your elbow, which is where the cubit comes from. Um, by the way, it's their, the length of the hand, and the hand for them started at the elbow and went all the way to the fingers. But the long cubit is adding an additional palm width. So instead of six palms, you're now at seven palms and palm widths. So you go from 18 inches up to 21 inches. So you're using, if you're wanting to measure these things, that reed itself at six long cubits is 10 and a half feet, whereas if it's measured in cubits, um, each of those cubits then being 21 inches. So if you're looking to actually make measurements and things, go right ahead. Um, and those are the numbers to help you do that. Again, as a reminder, page 1379 in your Lutheran Study Bible, a beneficial picture of this and what this looks like. If you, if you aren't going to draw it yourself or just do an image search on, on a search engine for temple compound in Ezekiel, and you'll have several um, prominent hits that'll be helpful for you there. Um, and you can just pick one of those to look at that you like best. Now, what can we actually look at differently in today's text than we did yesterday? Because again, the measurements here are things that we're not going to be able to really deal with or make use of. This is not a temple to be constructed. This is ta talking about Jesus, how God is going to restore his people. So what can we look at? Well, we can look at this word nave. That's one that the church needs to re redeem, I think, in our usage today. When you if somebody asked you where in the church, like what do you name the room of the church where the people of God worship? I think most Christians in liturgical churches that actually still have uh, the, the old style looking church rather than worshiping in such a place like a gymnasium, but most churches would call it the sanctuary. That's actually not the proper term. The, the proper term is the nave. Uh, where we, we get the word nave essentially from Latin and the word ship. Uh, you think of navy or navel, um, those words having a similar reference point. So the nave is the, the church proper where we worship. And then you start to think about what your church looks like, and it almost, you know, if you've got one of the, the typical architectural style of the A-framed churches where the roof comes to a point at the top, turn it over. In your mind, visualize your, your church, visualize the nave where you worship, and flip it upside down. You're in the hull of a ship. And that has been a beautiful picture of church architecture throughout the years, 
of the church being the ark, right? So we are living in the midst of an evil and corrupt generation, the words of Jesus, and the days are dark and only growing darker. And where do we go if we want to flee from that destruction, that judgment that is coming? We go to the ark. We go to the church, the place of promise. And really a neat picture that connects to several Old Testament and New Testament themes alike as you think of the ark and the flood and, and such in Genesis 6 through 9. And then again, the text in the New Testament already said. So talk about the nave with your children. What is the sanctuary then? Oh, actually, the sanctuary is a different area. And the, the chancel is another one that is similar. Um, sometimes those get interchanged and confused as well. Consider your nave again, the place where you worship, and think about the front of the church where the pastor usually does uh, the work that he he's given to do by the congregation of word and sacrament ministry. That elevated space is the chancel. But if you have an additionally elevated space, that's the sanctuary. Let me, let me rephrase that. The elevated space at the front of your nave, your church, is the chancel slash sanctuary. But if, if it's separated out into two things, so like if you have multiple areas up front that are distinguished from each other, the one on which the altar stands that level, that layer, that space is the sanctuary. The other layer would be the chancel. If you don't have a distinguished space architecturally between the altar space and the rest of the space from which word and sacrament would be delivered to you, then you could probably use those two words interchangeably. So those are some terms that you can use with your children to teach them about holy space in the church today. Now we do have holy space in our chapter. Right? We have the holy place and the most holy place being described to us. This is calling our attention back to the original temple design and tabernacle design. And this was the temple proper. That's our chapter for the day. So the temple itself is the place where God has promised to dwell in the midst of his people. So whether you're looking at the tabernacle or you're looking at the temple, the, the holy place is the larger of the two rooms. It is that inner space of the temple when you've actually come inside the temple building and it housed the, well, it had housed a small altar uh, for a table for incense offerings that was right in front of the curtain, right by the most holy place. It housed the golden lampstand that lit the room so that the priest could see to do their work. And it also housed the table for the bread of the presence which beautifully foreshadows in the Old Testament the Lord's Supper because it has both bread and wine on it, and it is a gift um, provided in the Lord's house. So you can think of that, certainly. But in addition to that, you have the altar of wood mentioned here in front of the holy place. Now that could be a reference to the I guess the altar of incense, if we're talking interiorly, but if we're talking exterior, there was the altar that was outside, just in front of the temple, in that inner courtyard, and that that altar was used for the purpose of burnt offerings that were good for the forgiveness of sins. So you've got that picture here, either of those pictures. Incense offering in, in the book of Revelation becomes the idea of our prayers, the prayers of the saints, whereas the the burnt offerings were for forgiveness. 
So both of those pictures are things that we can talk about as we consider Jesus, right? This whole chapter, again, we're talking about Jesus as being this temple. So Jesus offers himself as the forgiveness of our sins, the sacrifice required that our sins would be forgiven. Jesus offers prayers on our behalf. He intercedes for us to pray is to talk to God, right? So God, the Father, uh, Jesus speaks to God the Father on our behalf. And we can think of the day of the final judgment when the Lord intercedes for us. Beautiful stuff in that regard. Now, the most holy place is also mentioned there in verse 4. The only thing in the most holy place was the ark. And the ark of the covenant, not the ark as in the boat, but the ark of the covenant was the throne of God, as you see it described and as it's built in the book of Exodus. Now, this is, again, the reason for what the temple is. The temple is God's presence, the place where he has promised to dwell in the midst of his people. That's the point you want to focus on with today's chapter with your children. God dwelling with us. That's Jesus' promise to us, right? And in Matthew 28, at the very end of the book, he says that he will be with us always, even to the end of the age. Um, That's a beautiful promise. Christ is with us, and that means something, right? It means something in the Lord's Supper as we receive his body and blood for forgiveness, but it also means something on on the daily level, in the everyday moment. You are never alone. God is with you. God loves you. He cares for you. He provides for you. What a wonderful gift that that is. Um, So we can talk about many of these sorts of things. Uh, Our text today just pointing us to the temple. What is the temple? Well, we're talking about Jesus. Uh, Jesus as the New Testament temple, God dwelling with man. You could also, if you wanted to take this another direction, read together from Hebrews chapters 8 and 9. Uh, Just a fantastic New Testament picture of Jesus as the temple. Now, again, 8 and 9. I'm going to focus in just for the sake of the podcast on verses 11. Just a few verses starting at 11. So, when Christ appeared as a high priest, the one who could serve in the temple before the Lord, when Jesus appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. Great stuff. Again, the whole chapter, both chapters. But that gives you the the zoomed-in kind of summary picture here. Jesus is the new temple. He has entered into the new temple, the new heavenly temple, on our behalf. It's not a temple made with hands, but a temple not of this creation, a temple of God's own, his dwelling place. Jesus has entered not with the blood of goats, which offers only limited forgiveness of sin. No, Jesus has entered with his own blood into this most holy temple, His own blood has purified us from all of our sins. So that's the picture that we want to have in mind as we're looking at today's temple uh, text from Ezekiel 41.